Hi everyone, my name is James Bamfield and I'd like to introduce you to my new podcast series called Spirituality for Today. During this podcast series, I'll be explaining why the spiritual voice is needed in society now more than ever with the many challenges we face both individually and collectively. I want to frame spirituality in a new way which is practical, inclusive, non-dogmatic, joyous and socially relevant. I want to show you how my spiritual path has enriched my life beyond my wildest dreams and how I share these learnings with others. Hi. So, James, this is our fifth episode about showing up. Yep, that's it. The masterpiece. Perhaps, we'll see. And just perhaps for the, the listeners, because I think this is also part of showing up that we're creating this podcast. And you don't need to wait until everything's perfect. I'm sitting here in my bedroom. It's raining outside. I don't know if you can hear. You're sitting where at the moment? I'm sitting in Ardenne, right, in the south part of Belgium, in a beautiful place. No fancy studio, right? Just no fancy studio. Looking out at the green grass and the trees. And wow, you're so lucky. Sunshine, actually. Yeah, great. I was just thinking. It was funny you said about the masterpiece because I was just thinking. Of course, so often you know the language we use these things is still fairly male oriented but if you say a mistress piece it oh. doesn't sound quite the same does it no well, I, could this be our mistress piece yeah oh it's interesting because uh, immediately i have different associations with that exactly wow <laughs> that that's my part that that's my point <laughs> <laughs> wow well let's make it a mistress piece okay okay so can you um give us a little introduction what it what does showing up mean in this context for you okay so showing up is the kind of final step in the spiritual process. So, so far, we've looked at growing up and waking up. Okay. So that's how we address the spiritual path initially is through what you could call inner work. And inner work is absolutely vital. This is working on ourselves. But actually, that's not enough. There needs to also be outer work. And the showing up is the outer work. The showing up is talking about, now I've done all this inner work. How can I actually express my spirituality in the world? and show up in the world, show the world what I have to offer. So there's a strong social component here of wanting to have a positive effect in the world. Okay, and when you say what I have to offer, do you mean like a guru? Or because when you say spirituality, I think about... No. Or is it much broader than that? No, not, a, not at all. Not at all. I mean, we'll, we'll come to gurus later. 
No, in a way, the opposite of that, in the sense that this is actually coming from a true egalitarian viewpoint, in the sense that my, my conviction here is that every single human being has some unique gift to offer, which is not just a skill. I mean, that may well be part of it. It's likely to use their talents but it's some unique gift that only that person can bring to the world. So Laura's gift to the world will be different than mine. It might be vaguely in the same domain, but it will, that, that gift will be expressed very differently through you than through me. And it's that very diversity of gift that we need because it, it's a complex world. It's a diverse world. So no, you don't have to be a guru, and it, and it doesn't have to be something spectacular. It might be something spectacular if that's what you feel is your, your calling, but it might be much more humble. It might be much more behind the scenes, but it's still an offering. It's, it's a service, if you like, to the world. But it's not a service which is imposed on us. It's not a duty that's imposed from the outside. It's more like a sacred duty that we decide and intend for ourselves. Can you give us some examples of what you see in yourself, perhaps, or in me, or in people around you that are unique gifts? Well... Certainly, my, a big part of my unique gift is helping people on their spiritual path. I would say that's, that's my main gift. And until now, that has been mainly in the form of giving workshops, coaching, facilitating, and so on. With, you know, by now, I've worked with thousands of people over the years. And... I felt really within the last year or so, I felt a new urge in me where I really wanted to find other media, other, other channels to, to bring what I want to bring about spirituality. And so this podcast is one of those first. I mean, this podcast is a kind of showing up for me. Yes, yeah. I would even go a little further than just to say that your unique gift is, uh, how, how did you say it? Helping people on their spiritual path? Yeah. I would even say that your unique, the, the way in which you do that makes it even more unique because other people also help people on the spiritual path. Right. But there's a specific quality that you bring into that, right? That... Absolutely. And that particular quality will attract certain people. Yes. And repel others probably, yeah. but then they will they will be drawn to another set of unique qualities that is more appropriate or effective for them. And it's particularly important for me because, to be honest, I was, you know, incredibly... The, the early years, I would say the first 15, 20 years almost of my spiritual life was very much inner work focused. I mean, I did little bit, bits and pieces out in the world of giving groups, but it was really 
incredibly introspective looking back, bordering on the self-indulgent. Now, I think it was actually quite a healthy self-indulgence, and it's what's helped prepare me for, for what I do now. And even the sort of context that I was in, you know, I'm living in spiritual communities which tended to be very internally focused with virtually zero social awareness. Right. Yeah, I think that's also the view that I have of spirituality, that it's often inward focused, that people are just trying to enlighten themselves or, you know, sit in a cave somewhere and not so much show up and and use that use those insights or use that grown-up part of themselves to help others right well certainly the ones that i was connected to i would say were like were like that it was more what my teachers you know osho michael barnett you know they they just kind of created alternative societies they didn't really try and connect to and directly influence, affect, help traditional society or mainstream society. So why, why do you have a different view than your teachers? I don't know. I think I'm a different generation. I think, you see, spirituality is evolving. I just think it's evolved since then. You know, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying that therefore I have a deeper spirituality than my teachers. I think, no, in some ways it's not as deep. But with my particular position in the world, timing in the world, the world, the way the world has changed since then. Evolution, right? It's, it's, it's evolution, so yeah. it's bringing out different, different needs and qualities. Yeah. And one of my main, the main point that I want to make about showing up is that it is the ultimate win-win in the sense that when we show up, the win for us is when we show up in our full glory using all our power to help others to bring good into the world, there is no better feeling. That is one of the ultimate pleasures, ultimate fulfillment. You know, when I work and I see how how it sort of changes someone's life or when I'm giving the meditation in the morning and I see some of the reactions from people. I feel the depth of the field. I feel it's bringing something different out into the world early in the morning. It turns you on, right? You know, oh my God, that is so, yes, turns me on. It's one of the ultimate erotic non-sexual experiences. So, So that's the win from from my side or the individual side, but the win from the world is, is what the world needs is people coming with their full self. And because that's what's going to make a difference. And, but it, you know, it asks a lot because to bring your full self takes real courage. You've got to be prepared to stick your neck out. You've got to be prepared to stand up for something. 
you know, some of the traditional qualities of, of nobility, honor, standing up for something, fighting for a cause, you know. The, and be very vulnerable, right? Very vulnerable indeed. Yeah. And at the same time, so you need that sort of courage. So my, my Qigong teacher, Zhenzhan, who's had enormous influence on me. So she says, well, she says a lot, but the one of the things that's always stuck with me, because it's so simple, is we need yang courage with yin sensitivity. If we can do that in our showing up. So the yang courage, I'm going for it with the yin sensitivity. So that means I'm also sensitive to context. I'm sensitive to intact. I'm not just going on my own crusade. You see, if, if you're doing, I'm on a crusade, however noble the content is, it's coming from a place that is not grown up, which is really actually dangerous. And it can cause as much harm as good. Do you have an example of that? Well, the Crusades were a very good example, <laughs> actually. And there's countless examples from the religious world of, of, you know, fighting for God and fighting against infidels and so on. But, you know, even today, now I'm, I'm definitely sticking my neck out here. So take the social justice movement. Okay, which is incredibly important. I mean, the social justice movement has, is transforming the world. It's this whole movement that's grown exponentially in the last 50 years, which is normal citizens who see that some people are less advantaged than others through circumstance of color, of gender, of sexual preference. Okay. And they want to help. So it's, it's the most beautiful idea. But so often in the social justice movement, so even in something as wonderful as Black Lives Matter or the Me Too movement or whatever it may be, there's so many alarm signals I see that it's not really, it's not coming from what I would call a spiritual place. Now, I still think it's a lot better than nothing. So I still think that the Me Too movement has done a huge amount of good. Black Lives Matter, all, all these things. They've raised awareness. They've given permission for people to speak out. So I'm not in any way judging that or, or discounting it. But there's also some really unworked bits in people. Are you talking about non-grown-up bits? Non-grown-up bits. All the shaming and blaming. There's, there's so much of shaming, blaming, and to be honest, revenge, uh, demonizing of those who have different views, who don't belong to that way of thinking. I mean, you see it all in American politics with, with the battle between the left and the right. And that's why it's so, as it's so wonderful that, that Biden, one of the first things he said was, we're not going to demonize. Now that 
is coming up from a grown-up place. Because he could also have said, aha, I won, woohoo. Exactly. Or, or like Hillary Clinton said with Trump supporters, they're a basket of deplorables. Right. You know. It's not very smart. No. No, it wasn't, it wasn't very smart. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I've come across this a lot. You know, I've also worked with a lot of NGOs. Yeah. So you can, you can be busy with a wonderful cause, but not coming from a spiritual place. And that can also cause damage. Now, I'm not saying that, therefore, the people who are involved in Amnesty International, Doctors Without Borders, I have so much respect for these organizations. But what I'm saying is that, you know, my gift is the spiritual. So that's my lens. And for me, the sustainable change is only going to come if there is a spiritual aspect. So it's the same with me. In my way of showing up and helping people, I have a responsibility to see how my ego plays in that and my shadow, which it does without a doubt. So there's always inner work. The inner work has to continue. And if you've done the growing up and waking up, the way you show up is much more trustworthy and reliable. It's still not infallible, for sure. But it's a big difference. So can you tell us a little bit more about what the benefits are of the way that you can you can show up, that you're able to show up, if you're aware of the need to grow up and to wake up? Yeah. So, for example, let me take part of my job, which is facilitation, okay? You know, I work a lot with groups all the time. If I have unconscious needs that I'm getting fulfilled in the group, like a need for love, a need for attention, and that is unconscious, that will seriously affect the quality of my work because it won't be, it won't be clean. I won't just be coming with my offering from a whole self position. There's still something split off in me which is controlling things unconsciously or with my shadow. Or like if you supposing I want to, you know, I want to help the world, I want to save the world. Now, if there is unworked shadow in me, the shadow is the, is the repressed or unconscious material around, for example, my sort of English imperial past, you know, that's going to that's gonna be a big problem. Because if you come as the big shining white guy to save the world, that has a very unfortunate history to which my culture is very closely connected. I mean, my, the schools that I went to, just to give you an example, the school between the age of 13 and 18, Shrewsbury School, the, the boarding school, was set up in 1580, a long time ago. Sounds like Hogwarts. Yeah, it's, well, Hogwarts is, is based on these schools. 
This is the school that Charles Darwin went to, amongst others. <laughs> and the, one of the main purposes, Darwin hated it, by the way, one of the main purposes of these schools was to bring up young men who could help govern the empire. That was one of the purposes. So I have all of that in my history. So can you... You're brought up yes. to be one of those. Exactly. Now, in, to a large extent, I've sort of rejected that whole way of looking at the world, but it may still work in me unconsciously, and I've seen that once or twice in myself. But can you see, if that sort of imperialist attitude was working in me unconsciously, then that would, you know, render my service worse than useless. I mean, it could simply be repeating dysfunctional patterns that we're trying to get away from. Right. Yeah. And because I was asking, what is the benefit if you are aware of that? Because I can imagine that you can't totally skip it. It's still part of your heritage. But being aware of it, I presume, does help. Yeah. So here's the thing, and it's exactly the same in, in relationships. It's at its most dangerous when it's unconscious. As soon as it's conscious, in a way, you're, you're playing with it. So I, I can actually then say, sorry, white guy, I know. I did it again. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. <laughs> here I am. Yeah. So... I can feel how, how relaxing that could be also for other people to, to even consider or acknowledge, oh my God, we all have this makeup, this genetic makeup or this cultural makeup, and let's just play with it. Let's not be ashamed of it. Yeah. This is the way that we show up if we're not aware. So Exactly, exactly. And it would be easy because of the, the horrors of the British Empire, for example, You know, it, it's easy then to go into a feeling of shame or guilt. And some people very much encourage that, especially in left-wing politics. But I, I don't go there. I'm also really proud of what I come out of. And I see the horrors. It's, it's not either or. And it's the same in America. You know, this is what our friend Mark Gaffney has been talking a lot about recently. Yes, America has these horrors of racism and being, being built on slavery. It's true, and it has to be faced, it has to be worked with, it has to be healed. And it's a fantastic country built on this wonderful constitution. You know, it's both. We, we need to be able to be big enough to, to hold that... Yeah, to include it. ...sort of paradox. And not just... Discard it as something horrible. Exactly, or just focus on one part, that it's all good or it's all bad, or because it's all both, yeah. and we are all both. Right. So let me just summarize, also for the listeners, you've been talking about why it's important to show up. So it's not, so growing up and waking up is more focused inwards. Showing up is yeah. stepping out into the world with your unique gift. Yeah. Your unique quality and my quality is different than yours. So yeah. perhaps we can, it would be interesting to go in there a little bit more. How do you discover that, for instance? Mm. And you said there are, 
you can show up in different ways. Mm. If you are sh if you show up without the growing up and waking up, it can be pretty, well, horrible. <laughs> so you need all three of them. Yes. That's what you say, right? That's what I'm saying. The thing is, if there's no spiritual foundation to the showing up, it's pretty hit and miss. There's something a little bit reckless about it or potentially reckless. So even, you see, t take for example the church. Most organized religions have an unbelievable tradition of showing up socially. You know, these days it's fashionable, to again, to see all the bad in the church. But when you look at how, I mean, they were pretty much the only people who did care for the poor people, you know, and it's the same in Islam. It has unbelievable tradition of good causes. And Buddhism also, all of them. And, and yet there is still this whole, in the Christian, that's the one I know well, this whole kind of paternalistic side to it where there's still, because, it's, because the, the church is based on a very strong, if you like, dominator hierarchy, that is reflected in the way that they show up. So that it's always coming from this sort of slightly superior position. Yeah, the daddy. Yeah, ex ex <laughs> exactly. The daddy and also morally superior. Yeah. So... We need to get away from that. And there were very clear, established ways to show up. You basically followed, you did what you were told. But that doesn't work anymore, or not for many of us. So you and I have to find our own way, which is very exciting and difficult and scary. So a good place to start is what in the world touches you? What triggers you? What touches you? What, when you, when you look out at the world, you, you, you feel some of your own privilege, um, because even being on a spiritual path is a kind of privilege. I have the time. I'm not in survival. I haven't been in survival for food, politically, economically, health-wise, all my life. It's a luxury in some ways. But when I look out and I address, I take on the suffering in the world, what touches me? Because obviously you can't solve everything. But what touches you? What do you sort of feel in your heart that is not reflected out there? And that could be something to do with parenting. It could be something to do with the big social justice themes. You know, I have a friend... Well, we both have a friend, Ava, who, who works for Arces on the you know, Doctors Without Borders. That's what touches her and that unbelievable work she does out there. I mean, my God, how, how great is that? But it's not mine. I don't think I'd be much use in Doctors Without Borders. What's interesting is that I've done similar work as Ava. Right, yes. I worked for Rutgers. I remember. I went yeah. to Pakistan and Malawi to to uh, teach people about mm. sex education and, and human rights. But I felt so out of my depth there. It felt like, who am I here to teach them anything? Mm. This young white girl, young white woman. Mm. 
and now I, I work with entrepreneurs like you to, to help them be more visible in the world. And it feels so much more like it's my game. Right. So it's much closer to my zone of genius. So it's interesting that sometimes, because you, you also mentioned this almost like poster child version of uh, showing up, like going yeah. abroad, helping poor people. But I think that's for most people, that's not it. Being valuable in your own community mm. or being a really good teacher or yeah. that's, yeah. that's it. That can be your unique self. It, it can be much more local. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be spectacular and dramatic. Of course, going, to, you know, what you did in Ava has, is more dramatic. And that, and that certainly has a place because you never know. One day, supposing you could help with Ondanamers in countries like that, online, for example. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it has to be, I mean, in a way, I don't think we can decide it from our minds. Exactly. You, you've got to resonate with something. Yeah. So the big question that we that you're talking about now is where do I start? Yeah. What how do I want to show up in a way that is right for me? Right. And so I'm saying see what touches you. Yeah. Yeah. See what touches you. So what really touches me at the moment is also when I watch public figures, politicians for example or people who are in the public eye, who have a lot of influence, I re it really touches me feeling some of their, their struggles. And so, you know, I've started recently working with a group of politicians, for example, with the kind of, you know, with growing up, waking up, work. And it gives me such satisfaction to, you know, that's completely behind the scenes. I don't need the spotlights, but just to, to feel that I'm, I'm contributing something to people who have a lot of influence. And of course, I work with a lot of business leaders too, some with very big organizations. So that's how I feel that I can have some sort of impact. But you're right, it can be much more local. And... Well, it's interesting that you're saying that it can be behind the scenes. So showing up doesn't mean that you need to take a stage with lots of people seeing you, right? No, not at all. So, but here's the thing. But what, there's still courage involved. So with the politicians, for example, who are a pretty bright lot, you know, it's eight politicians. I think pretty much all of them have PhDs, God knows what. Now, I could very easily feel a bit small in that company, not so much because of the PhDs, but because, you know, these big figures, famous people, and so on. They've made it. You've made it. What have I? Maybe they'll be skeptical of me, and so on and so on. But if I'm to really help, I have to come into my own authority. Otherwise, they won't, they won't listen. So there's something... For each person, the showing up involves coming into their own authority. So authority means I, I know something here. I don't know everything. Mm, like a confidence. Yeah, confidence in the self, but also confidence in 
the knowledge that you've built up. Yeah. That you know something. You don't know everything. That's when the problems start, is when we think we know everything. But in a particular era, you know something. If, you, if you're inhibited by too much self-doubt, okay, that is ego. That means you're not grown up. Do you see what I mean? This is an interesting paradox, isn't it? So you're saying that if you are actually too modest about it, that is the ego. Yeah, I exactly. It's this is a big misconception about ego. People think ego is just puffing out your chest ego. Here I am, I'm the best. That is one side of the ego coin. The other side of the ego coin, which is much more socially acceptable, is, oh, little me, and, I'm, and I can't do it. That's awesome. I'm just me, who am I to do this? Exactly, this. but it's also ego. Right, yeah. It's stopping someone from the full expression of their selves. So also the big ego, the puffed out chest, is not a whole self because it's concealing the little boy or the little girl that's split off, that's not whole. So it's incapable of coming with a certain vulnerability. But the, the small ego, the modest ego, which sounds much nicer, is also split off from the confidence, the power. You're making yourself still too important. Exactly. It's, it's, it's self-indulgent in a different way. It's really interesting. Do you see what I mean? So, so the goal of all the, the spiritual work is not being especially busy with the self-commentary. I may have said that in one of the other episodes. So we're not thinking, oh, I'm too small, or, oh, I'm so good. We're just, we're not interested in that. We're just totally absorbed in our, in our being and doing expression. Is that what they call flow? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like in being in the moment, really owning it, but not puffing it up or just... This is it. That's right. No, flow is a very good description. Or that's what it feels like. Because you know, when you're really in your, your power, so to speak, which is no longer manipulated by big ego or little ego or, or your avoidance or whatever your, your pattern is, you're just free to express and to be absorbed in the activity and to give yourself and to receive the joy and fulfillment that, that comes from that. And so when I'm, when I'm doing a group or, say, the meditation in the morning, most of the time I'm in that flow. So I know what to say. I know what to do. But I also have to trust that. I've got to be step into that authority to do it. And authority is a, is a nice word because it brings the sense of power, but it's also the auto-authority, which means self. So it's my authentic voice, you know, and your power, authentic voice, authority might look very different. 
But I think both ways, it has some kind of... That person feels relaxed, feels at ease. Right. With his... Yeah. In his authority. Yeah. Relaxed, at ease, but also... I mean, but also kind of, um, you know, turned on. Yeah, right. So it's it's relaxed is is part of it, but it's turned on. There's something electric about Excited. it. Excited, yeah. Yeah. And is there, because you said it also takes courage, right, to do it. Yeah. So if people are listening and they want to know more about this, how can I step into my unique self more? Is there, you said, well, go where your curiosity goes, where you, you feel interested. Is there something practical that they can do? Can you help them in some way? Or You know, it's limited how much I can help. And I think it should be that way. You know, we've all got to step up. I can't, you really can't, I can show the general direction, but not the particular path. So the inner work is vital, and I can sort of show the way more directly. But with the outer work, because so often it's, you see, it's not just about projects. That's part of it. It could be a project. But it's also simply how you are in the world, being the change you want to bring in the world, you know, the famous Gandhi quotation. So it's very likely that some of your my showing up can, will be in the moment. It's, you know, when you, if I'm, you know, I'll take a, a really small example. Supposing I'm with my tennis team and... It turns out, I mean, this happened a few years ago. Actually, I think it was the opposing tennis team. And we're talking after the game and having a beer. And some, someone comes out with some really pretty strong racist language. What am I going to do? Inside me, there's an authentic response of, whoa. You know? But do I dare? Do I dare to say something? And the hope is yes. The hope is yes. There's so many times we can show up or when we see, you know, all the, all the acts of kindness also. Little acts of kindness. If there were just many, many more little acts of kindness. You know, we do this in one of our trainings. We send people out to perform random acts of kindness in the city. And you can't believe the stories that come back. These amazing conversations they've had with homeless people or, or whatever it may be. So it's not just about what big project can I do. It's, it's a moment-to-moment -moment thing. And I think there are so many times. It's even showing up in our relationship. You know, when we see we're totally triggered and we're full of anger. Can I find a way to bring that anger, to show up with that anger in a way that shows I'm taking responsibility for it? That's also showing up. There's, so I really, in a way, I encourage that. Not, 
almost certainly as much as projects is just the, the moment to moment project of life and showing up in that moment. Yeah. There's something interesting I'd like to add that if it's okay with you, uh, so I'm working a lot with entrepreneurs in the Dienstverlening, so they offer a service, mm -hmm. which is very vulnerable because they are their own product. And often these things that we, we were just talking about showing up, am I enough? The big ego, especially little ego is showing up. Yes. And so one of the areas that I work with, with them is can you, your unique gift probably has something to do with something that you feel is too easy for you mm. because it's what literature says, what research says about your zone of genius is actually that it takes surprisingly little effort to be there. And often we think it has to cost me something. I have to effort a lot. It has to take a lot of my energy before it can be valuable. Mm. So that's very, very interesting domain for me that often we don't need to show up in a way that we probably think for it to be valuable. We can just mm. perhaps take, take a step back. Wow, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. And of course, with the effortlessness, it's, it's easier to get into a flow. But I think quite often it is a question of waking up to what we already have in-house. Exactly, yeah. You know. And then the other side of the, so I'm, it's, I don't have a definite answer about this. So there's this effortlessness quality, but on the other hand, it's also finding your edge because that makes it exciting and pleasurable. Mm. What you were just saying about the getting turned on. Mm. So effortlessness, sometimes people can feel like, oh, I'm, be, I'm being lazy. I just, you know, I, I'm just doing it. But it has to be exciting for you to to stay focused and to stay. Um, it has to be rewarding enough for you to keep on doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the pleasure part of it. Yeah, and I think that comes from staying in evolution. So evolution is always on an edge. Right. It can't not be because the whole point is we. We don't know what the future is. You cannot predict evolution. There's no scientific physical law that predicts evolution. We don't know what human beings are going to evolve into, do we? No. Hopefully not robots. But so as long as you're in evolution, and again, that's the inner work, the growing up, the waking up, and this will also ref be reflected in the showing up. So... Even in my work, I'm constantly learning new things or I'll hear something or read something and I'll, I'll bring that into my work or something that happens in my own spiritual practice. So the key to that is to stay evolving. You know, that's one of our principles is evolution. Right. Evolution, pleasure and... Um... Yeah, so for me, it's a very interesting combination between letting go of something and taking a risk. Mm -hmm. Perhaps taking the risk to stop efforting and to trust that there will evolve something, there will, there, 
something will grow inside of you that is much bigger than you could have created yourself because it's happening. You just give space to it. Right, right. And that's, that's why the, the waking up part is so important for showing up. In a way, it's easier to see why the growing up part is important because then you don't, if enough growing up has happened, you won't be so caught in big ego or little ego. But with waking up, the key is there that you th- you're waking up to a unified whole. And so you're, you're just never alone. So to use religious language, you, you feel like God or the goddess is helping you. That's also part of being in the flow, is it feels much bigger than just you. And so that's why the waking up part, so you're not this lonely crusader. You see, if you're in the lonely crusader, the sort of Zorro, you know, so many of the archetypal heroes are, you know, very unwoken up. <laughs> Because it's this fighting on their own, and da 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 da, da. and I'm not saying that, it, that there's some there's some beauty in it, some nobility in it, but if if you're coming up from a sufficiently woken up place, you you just wouldn't have that because you realise I'm I'm not alone. I'm I'm surrounded by sacredness and 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 divineness and and so on. I'm just imagining what the Batman movie would look like with an awakened Batman. I know. I think it would be less, perhaps less interesting to watch that scenario. <laughs> I think I think that's probably true. Like no more pain. I know. If if Batman suddenly took a break to do a ten day Vipassana course, yeah, it probably wouldn't <laughs> fit in the narrative quite quite so well. Although, of course, you do. You know, you see a bit of that in the like the Zen world with the samurai and and where the the two come to come together but yeah that would be quite funny we love we love a good struggle don't we oh i know i was watching a james bond film the other night as i do you know english and all that (laughs) and um that's probably one of my unexpressed shadows it's the 007 one but it's i mean he is so it's great but he is so determined not to grow up. <laughs> it's, it's quite unbelievable. And that is part of, I guess that's part of the, the, the drama of it, the, the, the spectacle of it. Because if, if Jane Bond was to grow up, you know, what would be left of the franchise? Yeah, yeah. And we can identify. So I think it's also beautiful for us to, to watch it because then we don't feel so lonely in our own, uh, right. our own crusades. Right. Yeah. So James, is there, if we look back on this episode, is there anything else that you feel should be said? Um, so we talked about what does it mean, uh, what 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 does it look like? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a rare move and look at my notes, which I never usually do, um, just to see if there's anything else I want to say. Do you feel actually that you're showing up? In the right way now in this podcast yes i do oh, nice i do 
I do. I think this is what's been coming for me. Mm. And perhaps that's maybe what my unique gift is then, that I am able to help entrepreneurs find that space for them to show up. Exactly. But of course it is. Of course it is, especially with social entrepreneurs, which I've also worked with social entrepreneurs quite a lot. And it's a great world because the social entrepreneur, I remember they loved it when I, when I brought this lens, is, is, is the perfect balance of yin and yang. Because entrepreneurship is yang. It's about taking an opportunity. It's about jumping on a train. And, but the social part is the yin, it's the caring. And that's built into the DNA of social entrepreneurship is a natural balance between yin and yang. But no, I think, I think that's wonderful. And I'm a big fan of, of small, small businesses, you know. Oh, God, I know my, my clients who belong to big multinationals probably won't like that. <laughs> well, they all, all started out that way. Yeah, that's true. Probably. That's true. I think the other thing I want to say is, and people who are listening have probably realized this, is I don't really know. I certainly don't know the best way for you to show up or anyone else. It's, it's enough of a challenge to find out how I need to show up. But this, I think, is the evolutionary edge for people, all people who are interested in or on a spiritual path. How can we show up? What does that look like? Just asking that question. Yeah, just asking that question and going back to the principle of Sangha, sharing that question. So there's a group of friends that I meet online every month, some of my oldest and best friends, all of whom you know, I think. And, you know, we have fascinating conversations because our showing up is so different. And I learn so much from hearing how they see showing up. Because even on showing up itself, what that could be, I have a certain lens. So the sangha, the, the coming together, the sharing stories, the finding commonality, finding difference, encouraging each other. And mirroring each other, right? Yeah. Because I, I think I want to add that, that you can ask yourself that question, but you can also ask that question to your, what I would call A players, people that really know you well and that give you a lot of energy. So how do you see me showing up in a way that feels natural to you? Right, exactly. And maybe that's a good place to, to end is this value of the principle of Sangha. So the original word Sangha refers to very specific, structured Buddhist, you know, spiritual communities to which most of us do not belong and we will not belong and we don't belong to a church. So this is our sangha, our community, is finding peers who can sufficiently support and challenge us. It's absolutely for, for the growing up, for the waking up and for the showing up. So I have several groups like that of colleagues like my colleagues at Quinks or with leading, and be leading by Being and so on, where I can just trust them. They, they won't let me get away with something. You know, If they think they see a blind spot, I know they'll say it. And they know that I will say it for them. 
And this is, this is vital because we don't have the religious structures anymore because the big religious structures have, you know, also caused a lot of problems. So we, we have to find in, in this day and age, you know, the, the Sangha is just going to look very different. Yeah. It's very important that your peers can also be critical, but in a loving, connected way. Right. Because they see something that's possible for you that you may not see for yourself. And ultimately, they need to want the best for you. Exactly. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And then, because if you, if you want the best for somebody, then, of course, you know, what's the problem with, with giving some challenging feedback? Because I know I want the best for this, but I want them to flourish. So this is what the place we've got to, to get to beyond all the concurrency, you know, rivalry, competition, to actually simply delight in each other's unique expression, where that is actually a, another source of pleasure apart from our own flowering. Yeah, giving each other wings. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Well, James, perhaps to end on that note because this is, this is the end of this first series within your podcast, where I was part of, I was a real pleasure. And I really enjoyed doing this with, with you in this little Sangha, because, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I really enjoyed, yeah, should I say, I really enjoyed feeling the pleasure of this exchange that we had. Right. I learned so much from it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And you've been my friend for quite a long time, but now I've also get to know you from your more professional role. Right. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Right. I agree. It's many times it's had that erotic evolutionary quality, the non-sexual erotic, where you feel something's happening, something's growing, something's evolving. Me too, totally. No, I'm very grateful to you, mm. Laura, for this. And uh, it's a great start, from my perspective anyway. And I'm really looking forward to the future, which is when I will be taking your role. Exactly. So I may well be coming for advice, <laughs> and I will be the interviewer. Yeah. I've already got a few sort of names in mind of people I want to interview, and I hope to be starting with that next year, early next year. Great. And in the meantime, we've got, you know, the because you've been helping with various things and then my new website will be coming out yeah. where these... You, do you already know the URL? Yeah, it's uh, jamesbamfield.org. Mm. Pretty easy, yeah? Pretty easy, yeah. You know, being your unique self is sometimes pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah, great. Well, I hope that everybody who hears this is uh, spreading the word because it really helps if lots of people listen to this and, you know, rate it in iTunes store stuff. So really, a lot of people can enjoy this and can show up. Yeah. Oh, my God. Rating. So they, they give it one, two, three, four or five stars, do they? Oh, how? Oh, you just you, you mainly ask them to give a five star rating. You're not asking them to give a one star <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, I don't know. It wouldn't be very good for my ego, but I would be interested as to why. Yeah. I mean, I do, I do want to hear yeah. challenges. And, yeah. And yeah. It's also It's something new yeah. for me. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Thank you. All right, Laura. Many thanks. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye, everybody. 
that's it for this episode. If you want to know more about me and my work, you can go to my website, jamesbanfield.org. You can go to the website of my company where I'm a partner, that's quinks.org, and there you'll also find various training, seminars, workshops, and so on. And if you want to get started straight away, there's a free meditation. Just click on the link in the show notes at the bottom of the podcast. Thanks and hope to see you for the next episode.